Yes, hello and welcome to another edition of Talking Round North Cyprus. Can you believe this is our 46th podcast since we started back on Valentine's Day 2021? And of course, in each and every one, I've been joined by my pal and former BBC colleague at the BBC, Roger Barra. Um, hi, Roger. How are you? Um, so first of all, um, a lot of people were asking last time, how are you after your cancer op? How, how's the recovery going? Well, yeah, it's, it's going great. Thank you very much. You know, prognosis is pretty good. Just got to keep a check on things. Uh, but it's not going, the recovery isn't going as fast as I want to. You know, <laughs> I thought I'd be running within a couple of weeks and back on my bicycle and, and doing everything. And I've just started running 10 weeks after the op to remove the prostate but you know i can't complain somebody was telling me yesterday uh, we were at a restaurant the proprietor was saying that his father had the same operation 20 years ago but instead of microsurgery where you're left with five tiny wounds along your abdomen he was carved apart to remove his prostate right from his rib cage right down to his abdomen 38 stitches uh a completely different kettle of fish to today he's made a full recovery and he said that you can barely see the wound now uh mind you it was 20 years ago but i think those of us that have to have the op today are much better off than we would have been 20 years ago so I really can't complain but <laughs> i cannot believe i got in from a party last night switched on the graham norton show and you were on it you were in the red chair i know um, now for, <laughs> how on earth did that happen how do you get in the red chair to start with well to begin to begin with you have to apply to get on the graham norton you have to apply to be in the audience so there are several websites that you can apply to you know you just send your name the dates that you prefer and then you suddenly just get an email and that's what I've been doing. I've been doing that for about two, three years, just applying. Have I got news for you or various ones? And I'd applied for the Graham Norton show Thursday. They record on a Thursday. And I got an email only last week saying, yes, you've got two tickets for, for Thursday. Um, so I was like, oh, brilliant. That's great. And in the email, it says, if you've got a story for the red chair, then do drop us an email and give us a contact number. And, you know, we'll take it from there sort of thing. And um, I thought, well, I've got, I've got a few stories, but and I thought, oh, nobody's I'll, I'll type away. So I sent my little story in and a contact number and I didn't hear anything. Then actually on Thursday morning, sort of you know, mid, mid morning, I got a call saying, oh, could you. Hello, it's uh, rain from from the Graham Norton show. Could you um, could you just tell me your story? And I was like, oh, OK, in your own words sort of thing. So I told my story. She says, oh, that's great. So when you come this evening, if you just come to the front of the line and then we'll show you around. And I was like, oh, OK, <laughs> OK, <laughs> righty ho. So so, yes, yeah, so we went, Tony and I went up to uh, up to London. So it's at the, uh, the television centre and they still use the studios, even though, you know, BBC's moved right up to Salford and all that sort of thing. The television centre is still there. And in fact, in the round bit, they were filming Top Gear because that's where the Top Gear thing is now. So there were cars in the middle there and Top Gear. But the rest of it is all trees and cafes and, and grass. And it was all very nice. So we got our wristband and uh, waited at the front of the queue. We were sort of penned in at the front. And then there were four other people with me. Or we all, we'd all put our hands up for the red chair. And uh, we were all sort of, you know, we got quite friendly in the end because we were all sort of quite nervous about it and discussing it. And I said, well, given the queue, we're either 
the only ones that emailed in or were the best of the ones that emailed in. We were like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And that made us feel a bit better. Before you go on, Sarah, any more, tell us about the experience. For those that haven't seen the Graham Norton show, and I'm not even sure if we're allowed to do this, but, hey, we're going to. uh, This is what happened last night, Friday night, at the end of the Graham Norton show. That's nearly it. Before we go, just I have a visit to the big red chair. Who do we find in it tonight? Hello. Hello. Hi, what's your name? Sarah. Sarah. Hello, Sarah. And uh, whereabouts are you from, Sarah? Uh, near Market Harbour, Leicestershire. Oh, you know, Market Harbour. Near Market Harbour. <laughs> Market Harbour adjacent. <laughs> uh, are you just out in the country? Are you in a little village or something? Yeah, in a little village. In a little yes. village. It will remain nameless. Okay. <laughs> I tried. You, know, you did. Did you work for MI6? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sarah, off you go with your story. I used to work for the Foreign Office. I was at the British Embassy in Montevideo, Uruguay, and one of my jobs, I had to cover for the accountant one time, and I had to go to the bank and cash some checks and get some money. And while I was in there, two armed robbers came in and um, bundled us all into the corner. There was a lot of crying, <laughs> not me, um, but a lot of people were crying and upset. And I was trying to sort of help people around and, you know, do my, do my consular thing. And um, eventually the robbers found what they needed and ran off. The police came and it took forever and ever to answer all their questions. Um, meanwhile, eventually, I, I got out and I was like, oh, and I was a little bit nervous and a bit sort of uh, shaken myself. Yes, and course. I thought, well, do you know, I've done my bit. The ambassador will be so proud of me. You know, I've uh, helped all these people. There'll be a cup of tea. Maybe there might even be a gong or, you know, an MBE. <laughs> Who knows? You know. Anyway, I got back to the embassy. Shut. Everybody gone home. I found out the next day our driver had messaged and said, she's held up at the bank. She won't be back early. So uh, you might as well all go home. So and I was like, I was held up at the bank. <laughs> You deserve to walk. You deserve to walk, sir. Well done. A bank robbery. I mean, that is a better class of story than we're used to. I mean, normally there's some dog poo involved or something. Wow, Sarah, you were incredible. You got more laughs than all the guests, and you certainly impressed Mr. Norton himself. How do you feel about all that? It was it was great. Um, I mean, I couldn't see him, but obviously I could hear him round the back. And they'd made sure that I was the first one. So again, they'd obviously heard my story and they'd heard the other stories. Uh, because as I say, there were four of us that recorded. So I was the only one on the show because he finished after me. Um, and it, it was funny that he'd, he'd already mentioned the Foreign Office and that sort of thing, that it sort of led naturally into that. Um, so I changed my beginning because to begin with, I was going to say, oh, I'm a former diplomat. But when he talked about it, I was like, you know, oh, right. OK, that's that's my opening line. So I used to be in the Foreign Office. <laughs> which really sort of like, you know, sparked him. But it, it was great fun. And to be honest, you don't know if you're going to get on or not. Um, it's just part taking part, isn't it? And I mean, if I'd got flipped, so, I'd got flipped. Were you worried about getting flipped? Not particularly. It's part of the part of the deal, isn't it? I mean, you know, if you okay. did, you did. Um, you know, the other people that that did after me, um, you know, they they didn't mind. It was part of their part of their experience, to be honest. You know, so. And did you see the whole show, or were you sat in the chair through the whole show? No, we saw the whole show. The only we were taken Sam Ryder 
um, who I'm a big fan of, and that was even better that I got to see Sam Ryder. He did his song twice, actually. So after the first time he did his song, we were taken out and round the back. And then he wanted to do it again. So he did it again. And you could see monitors. So I heard the chat when he came and sat on the red sofa and had a chat with Graham Norton. And then they cut to the red chair because it's all quite they don't stop very often. They they actually keep going. So he literally just said, OK, fine, let's see who we've got in the red chair. And it all flowed. I mean, they, they didn't sort of cut cut it as they went along and they just said just keep looking at the camera because you can't see him so you just have to keep looking straight ahead and uh, and tell your story and you know how you just your mind goes blank you're like what are we gonna yes. say but I don't know whether it's because you're <laughs> used to doing three-hour live radio shows it just kicks in you're just like I've rehearsed this I you know I went I knew what I needed to say and I just whether that that helped having had um, all that experience on the radio so uh, yeah it was all it was all good fun it was really good fun enough of me and being a TV star uh, let's get back to uh, all things uh, TRNC and last time we had a chat uh, you expressed surprise that a new North Cypriot airline was going to be discussed and actually a first flight was being muted as early as the opening of the new terminal at Airjan next month so um sort of where are we with that then well it sounded quite ridiculous and of course it was the <laughs> latest is that according to several sources the airline company which tendered for the trnc flagship airline they've withdrawn there were problems with the tender process and the company involved mavi gurk aviation withdrew because apparently the process had become prolonged and there were other what they call seasonal related issues, whatever that is. <laughs> Sun was shining. The Minister of Public Works and Transport, a guy called Erhan Arukla, said uh, he blamed delays on too many dissenting voices, a lack of coherence affecting any agreement with the company. And he said, as long as this logic is followed, Everyone will continue to buy expensive tickets. So I think he's having a go at Turkish Airlines. Then adding every right thing done in this country is always reacted against. Uh, so he's not very happy. But as most people thought, you know, this is pie in the sky stuff. Um, mm. It might happen one day, but it won't happen in a few weeks. It takes an awful long time to get an airline off the ground. So uh, at the moment, the idea is dead and buried. Oh, that's a shame, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I mean, if somebody's got the entrepreneurial spirit, it works sometimes. But I know we've spoken to people on this podcast before, as James, I'm thinking about, um, particularly from sort of Cyprus Active when he wanted to get his sort of business up and running. You know, you need someone who knows the system, you knows the bureaucracy. And I'm sure anybody that's ever stood in a line waiting for their residency or something like that knows that something's not going to happen in 24 hours. You know, it's it's all going to take a bit of time. And it's like pushing a big old stone up a hill, isn't it? But we'll, we'll watch that with interest. Something else I've seen, the TRNC are throwing out the UN peacekeeping forces. Well, they're threatening to do that, yes. Wow. Uh, what happens is every six months, the UN Security Council put in a resolution to extend the UN peacekeeping force in Cyprus, to extend their mandate for another six months. But, of course, they only talk to the Greek side. They never they never talk to the TRNC. Oh, really? and, and so now the TRNC are getting a bit fed up with it, and they said, if... The UN peacekeeping force in Cyprus doesn't make an agreement with Turkish Cyprus within a month. It will have to withdraw from its two camps on the north side. Yeah, there are two camps. Because there's one in Famagusta, isn't there? If you drive through the main 
the sort of main drag of Famagusta, mm. sort of heading towards the mosque or whichever way you're going. But there's a big, there's a big one there, isn't there? And they have the other one in Lefka, right on the west side of the island. Uh, and they have a contact point in the capital, uh, Lefkosha, near Ledra mm. uh, Palace. But mm. they're very, very unhappy. The Turkish Cypriots of, uh, authorities are very unhappy. This UN lot deal with the Greek side and it's if the TRNC doesn't exist. Yeah. So now they're saying, well, you know, if you don't make this agreement with us as well, then... Uh, you can bugger off from our territory. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm really surprised to hear that, to be honest, because you would have thought as a UN peacekeeping force uh, that they would try and keep the peace and um, particularly between both sides. You know, that's the media- well, mediators, aren't they? A lot of people ask you, what do they actually do? Mm. You know, there's no mediation needed. The last huge clashes were were, were decades ago. And, of course, we've got... the Turkish army, okay, they're hidden away, but they're here, so nobody's going to mess. Yeah, uh, yeah. A lot of people saying, "Oh, bugger off, the UN." You know, it's it's an easy gig. Yeah. What's what the what is the point? Yeah. What is the point of you being here? Yeah. I'm not saying that's my opinion. I'm saying a lot of people say that on on social media. So we'll we'll see what happens then. Something you must be excited about um, is the fact that there's going to be a big, big football tournament next June. Uh, being held in the TRNC. Now, this is fantastic, isn't it? It's CONIFA, which is the Confederation of Independent Football Associations. And I happen to see this is on T-Vine. You can read the story there. This is great. A, it's being held in the TRNC. And B, Isle of Man, Cornwall and Yorkshire can take part. I mean, it's <laughs> it's fabulous. And all these little places you didn't know of who've got a football team. I mean, it's lovely. It's absolutely brilliant for the TRNC um, because they are banned from playing in any international tournament. And what this confederation is about is about teams that are not or cannot, in most cases, be affiliated to the governing bodies UEFA and FIFA. So they can't play in the World Cup or the European Championships or or anything. They're just not allowed to. Uh, And it's for nations like the TRNC that are unaffiliated uh, to national bodies. This is what this tournament's for. So it's a very, very rare chance for the TRNC's top footballers to play international competition. Mm. Uh, and it's, and in that respect, it's an absolute brilliant thing. It's a brilliant idea, but it's been very poorly marketed in the past. Mm. Uh, the last time it was held in London, I won't go into why, why it was held in London. It's a, it's a long, long story. The TRNC took part, reached the final. And of course, being in London, all the matches involving the TRNC were incredibly well attended. Sure. With 99.9% of the fans supporting the TRNC, because of course there is a huge Turkish Cypriot community uh, over in London, as we've discussed in the past. But it needs, here in the TRNC, it will need to be really marketed. Otherwise, people simply won't turn up. And uh, let's hope they've learned their lessons from the past where it has been poorly marketed or not marketed at all. Let's hope it is, you know, it is heavily attended because obviously it makes a a better atmosphere for the players. So we'll keep tabs on that. And, yeah, I'm really looking forward. And I certainly will be going to all the games over here, as will a lot of expats, you know, who love their football. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you know, to be honest, if I was there, I'd love to go. I mean, you know, I'd love to see the Isle of Man play or Cornwall or or any of them, to be honest, as well. And there's a a women's tournament as well. I don't know where the women's way was held in 
India last year because Tibet were able to take part. So it was held in India last year. But um, so I don't know where the women's one is, but it just sounds brilliant. So, um, yeah, we'll definitely keep a tabs on that. And um, I'm hoping I have put in a shout to the um, the president of Conifer to see if he would come on our podcast. But so loads going on there, Rog. But uh, let's catch up with our special guest. This is someone who you've been trying to um, uh, pin down for quite a while now, isn't it? Indeed. You know, most people will have heard of the Black Olive in Alsenshack. It's not a restaurant or a bar. It's actually both, but it's used as a centre of entertainment, as we'll be hearing very shortly. Now, it's run by a vivacious and quite lovely lady, Vicky Karaja. She's very busy always, and it's taken time to get together. But last week, Mrs. B and I were staying at the Maniola Hotel on the Lapta Strip, and uh, Vicky came round during her busy schedule to have a chat and started off by telling me how she came to be here in our Paradise Island. I'm married to a Cypriot. So I'm married to a Cypriot. I don't know, my plan was 20 years ago to try and get him to come back here and I succeeded by uh, bringing him back with our two children and that's been about 18 years now. So, yeah, it doesn't exist, but to me it's the best place in the world. Well, to many of us, most of our listeners it obviously is as well. So you were born in the UK? Born in the UK in Bristol. And what was your first experience of the TRNC? The first time was when I came with my husband for, to, to visit his family when we got married. So that was the first experience in January, how many years ago it was. But I think they thought I was a bit crazy because I was sat on the, uh, on the terrace, sunbathing with a vest top in January and everybody was sat inside with a woolly hat on. <laughs> so it was like really quite mad English woman sat out. In the, but, you know, January can be fabulous here. If you're sheltered. And was it love at first sight? I'm talking about the TRNC, not your husband. There was no hesitation. Of course it was. (laughs) Yeah, no. No, it was, yes. We were both in our late, you know, mid-30s. And, uh, yeah, no, it was... How did you persuade him to come back to the TRNC? I bought a house here. (laughs) (laughs) I bought a house here. And um, then it was slowly going to be a holiday, sort of. It was a, a village house in Courage. Um, and slowly it was going to be come on holiday and next thing we know we were living here. So how did the black olive start? Right, the black olive, we had a black olive in Wooten and Dredge in Gloucestershire. Right. So I'm a hairdresser by trade and my husband is many things, her, hotel management, um, casino, but we decided we wanted to do something different. So we had a black olive there. So when we came... It wasn't going to be a restaurant, but when the children used to go to what was Sunny Lane, there was an empty shop opposite, and I just thought, school, children, parents, coffee shop. So that's where the Black Olive came from. But it's really developed from there, hasn't it? From a, a coffee shop, it must be one of the most all-round venues in terms of what you produce there and what <laughs> you put on. How did all that occur? Well, because over time the, the buses got bigger, there was less people coming to the... The school, it be, it was a lot more Russian, so people weren't coming in. So you have to diversify. You just have to think of something different. So that's when I decided I would be an event centre. So hence all the charity events and the different things. I don't open daily, which some people don't understand, but I can't stay open daily and hope somebody's going to come in. So the best thing to be only open when you're busy and you're doing an event. And what kind of events? For those few people who don't know what happens at the Black Olive, give us some idea of well, what we you do produce Well, we do coffee morning. No, we do an afternoon tea and a quiz once a month for the Ambulance 112 with Mike and Brenda Plant, who you know and you've attended and uh, entertained us. Um, 
I'm on a committee for Heartbeat North Cyprus Cancer Charity Trust, which it's, um, it's a cancer charity, but we provide uh, machinery for all the local hospitals. So whereas Tulips, I do events for Tulips, I had one last night, whereas Tulips provide the medicine and that kind of thing, we work hand in hand, we buy the beds, the, the, the machinery that is needed. So we work our way around to each hospital, ask them for a list what we need, and then we do fundraising so i also have things for the rbl the brs so basically if you're a charity and you want a venue i'm there if you want a birthday party bar mitzvah or circumcision i'm there as well and your present black olive has a sort of almost like a built-in stage was it always there because it's a great place to perform yeah 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 it was the stage was already there we're inside and outside we've got a stage hence we have the glaston vicky music festival every year which i think we it, we didn't do it for two years for covid but it was back again this year so anything like that we have music they've got the, they've got their built-in stage we obviously have shows as well we've got the cads and the poppy players doing their panto in november so we've got a panto oh yes we are <laughs> <laughs> this year so yes we, we've full-on oh and uh, anglo-turkish association we do events with them. We have their Christmas dinners. Is there issue. anybody on this island you're not involved with? I don't know. <laughs> what, what about your legendary Sunday lunches? Oh, yeah, that's, we've got one this week. That's fully booked. It always so is. Every two weeks, and they tend to be fully booked before we get to the, uh, the Sunday. And do you do the cooking or do you employ a chef? No, I've, no. There's no chefs at the Black Olive. It's, it's you. Me and my husband. He will come in on a Sunday and help. But other than that, it's me that does. Why do you do that? I mean, that's such hard work, catering for, you know, loads of people. It is, but it's, I like it. It's, yeah, because I now, I'm now diversifying again and doing outside catering. So I love it. But then you're in the kitchen by yourself with food. <laughs> what a better place to be, you know, in the kitchen with food. And are you someone like me that only cooks with a glass of wine by your side? No, I can't be doing that. You know, mm. gas ovens and things. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can. You and Keith Floyd. Yeah, yeah Keith Floyd can do that. Mine would be a vodka. <laughs> <laughs> now, business, a proud businesswoman who works her socks off. COVID hits, unprecedented times for all of us. But for somebody running a business, just take us through how bad was it for you? Extremely bad because obviously you still have to pay the rent, you still got to pay the bills. Nothing changed. There was no let off i think we did get a little bit of compensation from the government with our segorta there were i think there was something that we could um but we obviously being a business we were allowed to operate as a takeaway so what i was doing was then i was doing takeaways and delivering so that was again the the way i could keep going was it's not something i normally do delivery but you know i'd pack up sunday roast i'd pack up chinese indian and i'd go off in the car and do drop-offs at local at certain stations and that's what kept us going was being able to do the takeaways it was sufficient business was it to keep you it went crazy because obviously people couldn't they could only go to the supermarket so they couldn't go out to eat so they knew they were going to get good quality food well sold well sold <laughs> tell us some of the things that you adore about this island and then we'll go on to stuff that maybe frustrates you a bit because there's always that as well there is I love the mountains. I love the sea, but I have a great respect for the sea. I really like to look at it, not really be in it. I don't mind being on it, but the mountains, I live in Malatya in the mountains, and that every day you wake up and you still get goose pimples 
when you open the window and you just see these mountains. So where I am, I'm lucky enough to have in the mountains and look down to the sea. So those kind of things, you know, you take your wheelie bin out. Well, mine doesn't have to be moved out there, but it's there. But just like you take your bin out and you're looking down at the sea and the mountain, and you're like, I'm here, I live here. Those, those are the things that I love. And, and what about the wee frustration things? Am I allowed to even let me see? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm not even going to get into politics, but, you know, just some of the rules and regulations and I suppose just the fact that we, we're not recognised here makes it very difficult. Even now with all these new ruling with the South, it makes it very difficult for people to be able to go to the UK so we use Airjam, which is great, that's good, but sometimes you want to be able to go from the south because you want to go to different directions. Mm. So that's the downside for me is the fact that either let us get work together or close the border and let us be recognised because if we're recognised, we can have direct flights. So, you know, there's two options. I'm not a politician. I'm sure something will happen eventually. Do you, do you think that maybe in your lifetime? No. You've been here 18 years. <laughs> no, not really. I remember when we first were allowed to go to the Greek side and that was amazing because it was like to find Jumbo when you've got children and to go and have Christmas with the decorations. It was just like fabulous and be able to buy some of the things that we can't buy here. Now we can buy things here. So there's very little we need to get from there, but there is still things. I'm lucky enough I go across because I'm married to my husband's got the Republic of Cyprus and I'm in the system so I can go across. I can't leave from Larnaca mm. that way, but I can go across the border. So that's good. If friends come to, you know, or the children come, I can go and collect them. But um, no, we've got most things we, we want here now. What else do you want to do? I mean, you do so much. Is there anything else on the horizon? Retire! <laughs> I don't believe you will, you will retire. No, I don't think I'll ever retire, but I can't. I'm, my pension's not until I'm 65 or 66, my, my Cypriot pension. So I've got work until then, but no, I don't think I will ever retire. I'm, I'm still enjoying work. I enjoy the charity work. I've got another project coming up in conjunction with... Um, Sue Tilt from Tulips at the moment. I can't say too much, but it's a big thing we're doing in January and it will involve hospital beds. I can't say any more than that, but watch this space. If you've ever fancied having a ride on a hospital bed, wait and see. Wow. That sounds, that sounds, <laughs> that sounds really interesting. For people listening that, you know, they're swallows at the moment, but they're thinking, you know, once we retire, that's the place we want to live. What would you say to them? Okay. I don't know, right, this is going to be, I'm probably going to get shot in the foot for this. I don't know whether I would actually say buy something or if you are going to buy, come and do your homework, rent first. Definitely rent first. Check out all the locations, what's better for you. Um, Amenities close by if you get older and you can't drive, you know, so those kind of things. Um, Definitely. By all means, buy here, but do your homework first. And, you know, a lot of people have failed in the past. Younger generations, they come, they've sold their houses in the UK, they buy a villa with a swimming pool and a big car, put the children in private education and realise they can't actually afford it. So, you know, as long as you do your homework, it's a fabulous place to live. Um, the hospitals are much better than they used to be. You can get everything, your medication, if you're on medication, that's half the price maybe of UK prices. So as long as you do your homework, is a good place to be. If there was one thing you could change about the place where you live, 
TRNC, what would it be? No, really nothing. It would just be nice to have direct flights and be recognised. If we're recognising, we had a simple thing. If we can have direct flights, that would make things so much easier, so much easier. And finally, if somebody wants to book the Black Olive for whatever reason, how do they get in touch with you? They can find me on Facebook, Vicky, V-I-C-K-I, K-A-R-A-C-A, because I use that rather than the Black Olive. Or they can call me direct on 0533 My number is on the board outside the Black Olive, and that is directly opposite Ileli, the new Ileli, and aside the um, Ixtasat Bank. So... Brilliant. Now, anything else you, you want to say? No, I'm out walking again, so I'm wearing, I will be when it calls down a bit, my Credit West T-shirt because Credit West helped the Black Olive an awful lot. You know, they sponsor events I'm doing, events, charity events I'm doing, so I'm wearing their T-shirt to show everybody great bank. So honk your horns, beep out, give me a call when you see me pounding the streets. Tell us about this pounding the streets because we haven't explored that. Okay. So walking, I've done a couple of walks we've done a 50 kilometer from Karshaka to Chata Ozanqui and back I did that with my son that was dusk to dawn whatever night time to morning we walked 50 kilometers through the night wow I did another walk which was 500 miles for heartbeat 500 miles for tulips and I did that over a time and then we've done a walk through, we've done a walk around the Millie Park. So we did a walk through the night through the Millie Park as well. So walking is my thing that I can just walk and talk to myself. Being a Gemini, I can just talk to myself, answer myself, and it's great. So, yeah, so lots of people see me. I've got a nickname from a lady called Jack, and they call me Forrest Gump because she said, everywhere we go, we used to see you pounding the streets. So... That is come. I'm walking again now on the night time at the moment because it's too hot. I got lost in the mountains last week with a friend. It got dark very quickly and we got lost in the mountains. But How'd you get out? We found somebody who was there actually, and they they sent us that they showed us a pathway to get to, and then we ended up from we ended up in Yishotepi, which was fine. I knew where we were then. So yeah, so that's the walking. So I will be walking the streets again, obviously for charity. So look out for me. And try not to knock you <laughs> Yeah, over here, you've got to be careful because there's no pavements. Yes, do look out for her and make sure she stays <laughs> safe. Vicky Karaja, fundraiser and proprietor extraordinary and a general good egg, Sarah, of our TRNT society over here. Yeah, that's amazing. There's so much good work going on, isn't there? And people just finding, <laughs> their, finding their place, you know, and things evolve for them, don't they? So, um, yeah. you know, if they're, if they're happy to work hard, which uh, Vicky certainly sounds like uh, uh, she does. So uh, thank you very much indeed to her for joining us. Lovely. Well, well, I'm off to, you know, soak up the fame of being on the television, Roger. So... <laughs> I have to take the dog out, you know, and ask people if they happen to see me on the telly last night. Um, <laughs> otherwise, we do thank you very much indeed for joining us again on our podcast. If you'd like to be on the podcast, if you've got a story to tell us, we don't have a big red chair, but, you know, you're very welcome to join us. Do get in touch. We're on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Talking Round North Site. Chris, we've got an email address as well. That's trnc.podcast at gmail.com. I'm Sarah Palmer. I'm Roger Barra. Thanks again for listening and we look forward to talking to you very, very shortly.